Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Coffee at the Cross. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Newman. I want to thank you for joining me as we're embarking on this series called A Bible Journey. It's a journey in which we read one chapter together. And then after we're done reading that chapter, we take one thing, just one thing, and we try to apply it to our day for ourselves or for those around us. What an awesome experience and what an awesome God we serve. If you'd like to follow along with me, I read from the Passion Translation. It's one of my favorite translations for the New Testament. Very passionate, fire-filled translation. You can feel the love of God in every word. So whether you're at work or at home, in your car, or you're waking up and ready to fill and begin your day with God's Word, grab that cup of coffee. Let's open up our Bibles. And let's embark upon a Holy Spirit-filled journey together and meet at the cross. So let's get started with Luke chapter 6. One Sabbath day, Jesus and his disciples were walking through a field of ripe wheat. His disciples plucked some heads of grain and rubbed the husks off with their hands and ate it. This infuriated some of the Jewish religious leaders. They said to Jesus, why are you allowing the disciples to harvest grain on the Sabbath day? Don't you know it is not permissible according to the law? Jesus replied, Haven't you read the scriptures? Haven't you read what King David said when he was hungry? He entered into the sanctuary of God, took the bread of God's presence right off the sacred table, and shared it with his men. It was only lawful for the priests to eat the bread of God's presence. You need to know that the Son of Man is no slave to the Sabbath day, for I am master of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath day, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. In the room with him was a man who was defor- with a deformed right hand. Everyone watched Jesus closely, especially the Jewish religious leaders and the religious scholars, to see if Jesus would heal on a Sabbath day, for they were eager to find a reason to accuse him of breaking the Jewish laws. Jesus, knowing their every thought, said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand here in the middle of the room. So he got up and came forward. Jesus said to all who were there, Let me ask you a question. Which is better, to heal or to do harm on the Sabbath day? I have come to save a life, but you have come to find a life to destroy. One by one, Jesus looked into the eyes of each person in the room. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your arm and open your hand. With everyone watching intently, he stretched out his arm, and the hand was completely healed. The room erupted with bitter rage because of the Sabbath day healing. And from that moment on, the religious leaders plotted among themselves about how they would harm Jesus. After this, Jesus went up to the high hills to spend the whole night in prayer to God. At daybreak, he called together all of his followers and selected twelve from among them, and he appointed them to be his apostles. 
Here are their names, Simon, who he named Peter, Andrew, Peter's brother Jacob, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, Jacob, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, known as the fiery political zealot, Judah, the son of Jacob, and Judas, the locksmith, who would later betray Jesus. Jesus and his apostles came down from the hillside to a level field where a large number of his disciples waited, along with a massive crowd of people who had gathered from all over Judea, Jerusalem, and the coastal district of Tyre and Sidon. They had all come to listen to the manifestation so that they could be healed of their diseases and be set free from the demonic powers that tormented them. The entire crowd eagerly tried to come near Jesus so they could touch him and be healed because of a tangible supernatural power emanated from him, healing all who came close to him. Looking intently at his followers, Jesus began his sermon. How enriched you become when you are poor, for you will experience the reality of God's kingdom realm. How filled you become when you are consumed with hunger and desire, for you will be completely satisfied. How content you become when you weep with complete brokenness, for you will laugh with unrestrained joy. How favored you become when you are hated, excommunicated, or slandered, or when your name is spoken of as evil, Because of your love for me, the Son of Man, I promise you that as you experience these things, you will celebrate and dance with overflowing joy, and the heavenly reward of your faith will be abundant because you are being treated the same way as your forefathers, the prophets. But what sorrows await those who are rich in this life only, for you have already received all the comfort you will ever get. What sorrows await you who are complete and content with yourselves, for hunger and emptiness will come to you. What sorrows await those of you who laugh now, having received all your joy in this life only, for grief will be, and wailing will come to you. What sorrows await those of you who are always honored and lauded by others, for that's how your forefathers treated every other false prophet." But if you will listen, I say to you, love your enemies and do something wonderful for them in return for their hatred. When someone curses you, bless that person in return. When you are mistreated and harassed by others, accept it as your mission to pray for them. To those who despise you, continue to serve them and minister to them. If someone takes away your coat, give him as a gift your shirt as well. When someone comes to beg from you, give to that person what you have. When things are wrongly taken from you, do not demand they be given back. However you wish to be be treated by others is how you should treat everyone else. Are you really showing true love by only loving those who love you back? Even those who don't know God will do that. Are you really showing compassion when you do good deeds only to those who do good deeds to you? Even those who don't know God will do that. If you lend money only to those who who you know will repay you, what credit is that to your character? Even those who do not know God do that. But love your enemies and continue to treat them well. When you lend money, don't despair. If you are never paid back, for it is not lost. 
if you if you will receive a rich reward and you will be known as true children of the most high god having his same nature for your father is famous for his kindness to heal even the thankless and cruel show mercy and compassion to for others just as your heavenly Father overflows with mercy and compassion for all. Jesus said, Forsake the habit of criticizing and judging others, and you will not be criticized and judged in return. Don't look at others and pronounce them guilty, and you will not experience guilty accusations yourself. Forgive over and over, and you will be forgiven over and over. Give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you, shaken down to make room for more. Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Your measurement of your generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Jesus also quoted these Proverbs. What happens when a blind man pretends to guide another blind man? They both stumble into a ditch. And how could the apprentice know more than his master? For only after he is fully qualified will he be at that level. Why do you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and fail to notice the glaring flaws in your own life? How could you say to your friend, Here, let me show you where you're wrong, when you are guilty of even more than he is? You are overly critical, splitting hairs, and being a hypocrite. You must acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them before you'll be able to deal with the blind spot of your friend. You'll never find choice fruit hanging on the bad, unhealthy tree. And rotten fruit does not hang on a good, healthy tree. Every tree will be revealed by the quality of fruit that it produces. Figs or grapes will never be picked off thorn trees. People are known in this same way. Out of the virtue stored in their hearts, good and upright people will produce good fruit. But out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones will produce what is evil. For the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard in your words. What good does it do for you to say that I am your Lord and Master if what I teach you is not put into practice? Let me describe the one who truly follows me and does what I say. He is like a man who chooses the right place to build a house and then lays a deep and secure foundation. When the storms and flood rage against that house, it continues to stand strong and unshaken through the, temp the tempest. For it has been wisely built on the right foundation. But the one who's heard my teaching and does not obey it like a man who builds a house without laying any foundation whatsoever... When the storms and floods rage against the house, it will immediately collapse and become a total loss. Which of these two builders will you be? That concludes Luke chapter 6. Let's go back, and I want to talk about the part. There's lots of stuff in this chapter, and, you know, again, I always encourage you guys to go back and read this again. There's other stories in here to dive into, to reread, to, to meditate on. But we're just going to cover one, and I want to cover the part where he talks about loving our enemies. You know, when I just look around society today, we are so polarized in our beliefs that we're no longer willing to talk to each other. 
We're so easily offended by things. And, you know, the, the Bible is a book that is meant and built and designed to offend us, to get us to a point of surrender and repentance. You know, we so rarely change unless we're called out. You know, we change the things we do when we become embarrassed by what we've done, by how it's perceived. Then we change. Or if we fall short or if we're looked down upon, we change, right? We rarely change when everything is going good, when everything is perceived as good. We maintain, right? We stay on the course. Being offended is not a bad thing. Being offended is actually a good thing. Jesus did this. You know, his very last, you know, his very last thing he says in, in Luke chapter 6 is he's telling you, he's asking you straight up, which builder will you be? That might offend people who think that they're already well off. I know who I am. I know my past. I know my history. I know my standing. How dare you ask me who I will be? I know who I am. Jesus was never worried about offending anybody. He was always worried about not a person not seeing the truth within themselves. And he recognized this in this one part, love your enemies. We as a society get entrenched in our side and our beliefs that we stop listening to others. And we take things so personal that we draw a line in the sand. That's where you stay on your side and I'll stay over here. But Jesus tells us to love our enemies. We have to do that. We have to start doing that. We can no longer see society as this group of people on this side and the people that I love and care about on the other. It's a shockingly simple command to understand, but it's a difficult one to obey. We are the flesh. We have that in us. Jesus told us exactly how to actually love our enemies, to do good, bless, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Jesus recognized that we will have enemies in our lives. This plan of God's kingdom takes into account real-world problems. Though we will have enemies, yet we are to respond to them in love, trusting that God will protect our cause and destroy our enemies the best way possible by transforming them into our friends. Do you see that? Think about that. God doesn't destroy our enemies by eliminating their existence. He destroys our enemies by making them and transforming them into our friends. Wow. That's God. God wastes nothing. He created that person. He has a purpose and a plan for them, but he has this thing called free will. But it requires a spark. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he sent the written law to Moses. It requires a spark, a starting point. And we are that starting point. For those people who don't love him or know him, people that we look at as our enemies, we are the spark that destroys that enemy, not by eliminating his existence, but by transforming him into his child, our friend. So pray for those who spitefully use you. The love of Jesus told us to have 
told us to have for our enemies what was not a warm, fuzzy feeling deep in our heart, you know, if we wait for that, we'll never love them. You see what I'm saying? We can't wait for them. We can't wait to love them until they give us something that gives, that, that you know, that, that sometimes we're like, I'm not going to talk to that person because of who they are, what they're going through. Or how they act. I'll, I'll be nice to them when they drop the drama. When they drop the hatred. When they drop all those things. Then I'll love them. Jesus tells us, no, you start loving them now. Because you will never love them if that's what you're waiting for. It, you are the spark. A fire cannot start without a spark. A fire cannot start without that fuel, that flammable source. The Holy Spirit is the flammable source. But God created you to be the spark that ignites the Holy Spirit in a relationship or a friendship or an atmosphere or a room. So we have to love our enemies. The love for our enemies is a love that does something for them, not for us. Quite apart from how we might feel about them. See, that's the understanding Jesus is trying to say. A relationship, we look at it as, what can I get out of this relationship? I want to be friends with this one because of how they make me feel. When we transform our mind, when we change the paradigm with how we interact with the people in our ministry, and our ministry is our daily life. We are all ministers for God. When we change how we perceive the dynamic of how we interact with people, we have to understand that the relationship is not about what they do for us or how they make us feel. It's how we make them feel. For all we know, the reason they are like that is because they've never been loved. Because they've been hurt. Some of them have even by, been hurt by their own church family. They've been hurt by an environment that they thought was of God. So we are the ones that are supposed to love them, to show them that this is God. And that's what changes them. We are doing something for them. Because Real, in realistic terms, we are do, trying to do something for God. We want to please God. We want to increase His favor in us. And this is how. This life was never about doing everything we can to, to possibly maximize our existence in His presence. Our, we are created literally to help others. Eve was created to be Adam's helper. Everything was created to help and assist us to get to the kingdom together. Let us not arrive at the gates with an empty back seat. Let's arrive at the gates with a full vehicle full of his children, brothers and sisters. So what I want, the, the thing what we're taking from today is when we're loving our enemies, stop, start looking for opportunities to love somebody for them. Stop. Don't look at it as I'm going to talk to this person because they give me something. They make me feel wonderful when I talk to them. And I can't go over there and talk to that person because they're so negative. Love on them today. Love on them today. Different how everybody else loves them, loves that person in the room. You love them like God loves them. He created them. He has a plan for them. And God sent you to be the one 
to show them that. And I promise you, over time, when you continuously love them in this manner and they know that you're not doing this selfishly, right? What we talked about earlier, we're doing this for them, not us. When they realize you're not doing something because you want something, that you're genuinely loving them because you care about them feeling loved, you will see transformation. I promise you that. I've seen it in my own life, in my own ministry, time and time again. The unlovable become loving. They become loved and become loving. William Barclay once said, and I'll close with this, We cannot love our enemies as we love our nearest and dearest. To do so would be unnatural, impossible, and even wrong. But we can see to it that no matter what a man does to us, even if he insults us, ill-treats us, and injures us, we will seek nothing but his highest good. So let us transform a person by seeking their highest good. You have the ability to transform them from a person who you see as the most negative in your life, and you are going to seek nothing but their highest good, and you can pull that out of them. You can release that from them. The, the, the enemy that Satan has imprisoned that, he has shackled that part of them. You can release it and free that part of them by loving on them daily, regardless of how they treat you. And eventually they will realize, this person doesn't love me because they want something. They love me because God loves me. They love me because they want to love me. And that will change them. Let us close out in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for all that you do. Lord, help us to see the unlovable. Help us to see the unteachable. Lord, we're asking you to guide us to that place, to that person today. To find someone who desperately needs to be loved. You know who they are, Lord. Help us to see that person. Lord, help us to change that person. Help us to find and seek the highest good within them. Help us to build your kingdom, Lord. May you bless every person who is listening to this podcast and every person that we will encounter in our day after we've heard this podcast. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So that concludes Coffee at the Cross, our series of a Bible journey. Uh, Next we will cover Luke chapter 7. I'm so excited. Until then, go out. Love on somebody. Seek nothing but their highest good. Transform that person, our enemy, into our friends by loving them the way God loves you. And expect nothing in return. And when you do, you will see great and mighty things, the works of God, play out before your very eyes. What a mighty thing to see. What a mighty blessing to receive. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Have a blessed day, everybody, and I can't wait to see you on our next episode here on the podcast, Coffee at the Cross, uh, of our series, A Bible Journey. Luke chapter 7, next time. Can't wait. Have a blessed day, everybody.